All right. That was a, a good song to end with. Behold our God. I don't know if you guys know that a song. You'll see tonight if you don't know. A song, a song is taken out of Isaiah. We saw, we saw part of that in Isaiah 6. It's God seated on his throne. And then we're going to see, see the rest of it uh, here in uh, Isaiah 40. It's just, uh, it is a perfect, perfect song for, for this weekend. Just beholding our God. So tonight, we're going to behold our awesome God. We're going to see how awesome God is, how big he is. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 40. So we turn to Isaiah chapter 40. This is, I'm going to read a longer section here. Um, So pay attention as you're tired. Try to stick with the text, follow along. I'm going to be reading verse 9 through the end of the chapter, verse 31. We're really going to be focusing on uh, verses 12 through 17, and then jumping over to verses 28 through 31. But I want to set up the whole context of the thought, thought here in this chapter, even though we're not going to get into every bit of it. So Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 9. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. 
and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these, who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is regarded, disregarded by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. God, help us tonight pay attention to your word. Help us to see how awesome of a God you are. Help us to behold you in your majesty and worship you. Amen. Amen. Have you guys looked around at camp yet and seen some of God's beautiful creation? Have you seen the snow? Have you seen the rain and the mountains and and the trees? It's beautiful up here. I love getting out in nature and experiencing the pounding of the rain on my face, the crash of the waves, the vastness of the forest, and the immensity of the mountains. It can kind of reset you from the busyness of life and remind us that we're just a small part of creation. I lived in a, an area where we had big storms. Uh, here we don't have them as much. But it's cool. You go out in like the midst of a hurricane, and you see, man, God is powerful. God is awesome. You just... Feel that wind, the, the rain's coming down, and you, you can just see how awesome God is. We can see that in creation, uh, and it just kind of resets us. We see we're just, we're just a small part of creation. We're not the center of the universe like we can act sometimes. You can think like, oh, it's all about me. It is all revolving about me. But something much bigger is going on. We're not the main character of the story. A lot of times in our, in our minds, you can think, I'm, I'm the main character. You don't say it out loud, but you just think that. Like, I'm, I'm important. Uh, but we are not the main character. God is the main character. We're like an extra off to the side, getting to, to see God at work, getting to behold him in his awesomeness. A.W. Tozer wrote, The most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think of God. What is, that, what is that thing that comes into your mind? What is the most important thing about God? Like, as, you, as you're thinking about God, what, what's the thing that pops into your mind? That's, that's the most important thing about you. Steve Lawson said something similar. Tell me what you think of God, and I will tell you what is the direction and the trajectory of your life. A high view of God ultimately leads to high worship of God and high and holy living. And low views of God lead to trivial worship and lead to manipulative evangelism and lead to low base existence. Everything in one way or another hinges upon your understanding of who God is. 
God is that important? So do you have a high view of God or a low view of God? If you if you think back, if you watch Marvel movies, you think back to the very first Avengers movie. If you remember that, it was like 2012, long ways ago. Uh, there's a scene where Loki, the villain, says he's he's a god. He's the god. And Hulk takes him, just smashes him back and forth, thrashes him, <laughs> destroys him. And he says, puny god. Do, do you have a puny god? Do you see God as somebody who's weak? Or do you see him as big, awesome, mighty? Do you have a God who can be thrashed around like that, who's small? Do you have a big God? If, if we just have a small view of God, then we, that's, that changes our life. We just go about life so much differently. We can't rely on a small God. We can't depend on a puny God. We need a God who's awesome, mighty, who's big, who's holy, Let's look at in creation. Let's look at verses 12 through 14. We serve a big God. When was the last time you went to the ocean? We live pretty close. You can go to the ocean a lot. Have you ever tried to build a sandcastle out there? You take your bucket, a little shovel, you build a sandcastle, you make a moat, try to fill it with water, right? When you were scooping out the water to use for your moat, you probably saw the ocean level dip a little bit, right? You scooped it out, put it in your moat, the ocean level went down. Started getting a little shallower the more you scooped out for your moat. No? Okay, how about how about all of us? We go down there. We go down the ocean. Let's just take buckets. And for the next however many years until my four-month-old Grant is in TYG, we're just out there, just hauling buckets out of, out of the ocean. Is that gonna make the ocean level dip? It's gonna, it's gonna stay the same. It's not gonna change. That's not gonna get any shallower. That's, that's ridiculous. No matter how much water we move from the ocean, it stays the same. As a way of describing how big God is, Isaiah paints a picture of God using the hollow of his hand to measure oceans. That's this part right here. He's, he's taking the oceans, the rivers, the water, all the waters of the earth. He's just putting it right there, a little small part of his hand. He's measuring it. God's big. We, we can't ever change the level of the ocean, but he, he just puts it right there in the palm of his hand, right there. Holds it there, measures it. He's not some frail old grandpa, as some people portray him. He's not a puny God. He is powerful and big. Not only does he measure oceans with his hand, but he takes it a step further and measures galaxies. Does he measure some of the span of his span of his hand? That's from your thumb to your pinky finger. This, this right here. That's a span. So they measured back then. They didn't have tape measures and stuff. Measure with spans and different things. He just takes takes the span of his hand, like, yep, there it is. Have you guys ever seen like pictures from the Hubble telescope? You've seen pictures of galaxies or pictures of stars, the sun, the moon, our, our solar system. Yeah. And if, if you've seen that, like, it gives you appreciation for some of how big God is. Like you you take. We've been to the moon, right? We've gone out to the moon. And that takes a long time to get there. But we've never been to Pluto. Like, at the edge of our, edge of our solar system, that takes a long time to get there. That's crazy far. That's just our solar system. You just take a step further back, and then you look at our galaxy. We can't even imagine how long it would take to get to the end of our galaxy. It would just take 
crazy long time. We can't do that. That's super far away. Then you zoom out even further, and what do you have? You zoom, keep zooming out to the farthest point that our, our telescopes can view. And if you try to look back at Earth, you wouldn't see it. If you try to look back at the sun, you wouldn't see it. If you try to look back at our solar system, you wouldn't see it. If you try to look back at our galaxy, you can't see it. It's just a speck. It's gone. The, the universe is so big, and that's as far as we can see. Imagine how much further it just keeps going and going and going. God, God is big. He just goes like this. Like, oh, I got it all. It's gone. I just measured it right there. God is huge. He's big. He's awesome. How many, how many grains of dirt do you think are here at camp? You try to count them, go out there. It'd be pretty hard because it's covered with snow. But you go out there, skip away the snow, you start counting and counting and counting as far as you can. And you, you, you would just get this, even if you just try to count something like in your, that you could hold in your hand, you'd be there forever trying to count that many grains of sand or specks of dirt. But he takes all of those, plus the dust from the whole earth. He goes to the Sahara Desert, takes it all up, goes to the beaches and the ocean, at the bottom of the ocean, takes it up, and he just, just measures it in his measuring cup. Just go, whoop, well, there it is, all, all the sands. And he knows how many sand, pieces of dirt there are. He knows how many pieces of dust there are. He just knows that number. He measures the mountains and the hills and his scales. He's balancing them out, all out. He takes Everest and takes Mount Kilimanjaro, he takes Mount Diablo, he takes all these mountains and hills, and he just measures them in his balance. He puts them on the different parts of the earth so it all balances out. It's not like flopping around and getting all weird as it's spinning around. It's, it's all perfectly balanced. Isaiah uses this language to convey to us that we serve a big God. As we behold him, we need to appreciate how big and awesome our God is. It's not a puny God. This is a big God. This is an awesome God. Creation is so intricate, and we can take it for granted. You ever taken some time to just think about, how does the earth rotate around the sun over and over again? It, if it just moves a little bit, one way or the other, we either burn as we get closer to the sun, all burn up, or we just move back a little bit, and it all freeze to death. Like he keeps it in its place, just perfectly rotating around, rotating around the sun, and he, he balances it perfectly. He keeps all of that going. We could take it for granted. It's like, well, of course the sun came up today. That's what happens. Of course it's winter. That's what happens this time of year. But, but God is the one who's controlling that. He's the one who made all that work, and he keeps it working that way. He holds it all together. How do our bodies even work? He takes some lumps of muscle and fat and organs and bones and somehow that walks around and thinks and talks and it even heals itself i hope javen your body heals itself i hurt i hurt some people in football today <laughs> we'll see if it works but we can take it for granted even just like walking like i don't know how many people are frozen after football today <laughs> me thawing out was the worst pain i've been in for a long time like, it was actually painful. I was on the floor of the shower. It was like, it was horrible. It, it, was, it was bad. You just take for granted just walking. It was horrible. Like, my feet, not kidding. I thought were frostbitten. They, I, it, was, it was excruciating pain. They were blotchy black and purple. They still hurt really bad. You just take for granted just walking. And it, is, is, it can just be taken away like that. 
You get frostbite and you're gone. Uh, but God made our bodies so, so it works together. We can't just take things for granted how our bodies work. About like if you imagine some part of creation, like a fruit fly. A fruit fly, I don't know if you know this, can grow from an egg to an adult in seven days. And it can lay 500 eggs. They have a very short lifespan. In that short lifespan, they're laying 500 eggs. Like, how do flies not take over the whole world? Like, this, do you think there's going to be buzzing everywhere? Just laying 500 eggs a day. They just keep going, going, going. But, but God is, is working everything together. He makes it so it doesn't go out of control. Everything's balanced and perfect. And even, even broken creation, he's still making it work. And we just take that for granted. Just all the things God is doing behind the scenes. God's holding everything together. And he is in control of all. Does God need any help? Does he tell us, does he need us to tell him what to do? No, he, he is in complete and utter control. He knows all things and is in control of all things. It says, who did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him what's justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? It's a rhetorical question. Nobody. Nobody taught God those things. He knows all those things. He is in full control. A lot of times we can think like, man, God, I, can, I feel like I could do something a little bit better than God. Maybe you don't think those exact words. But you see a situation like, wouldn't it have been better if it happened this way instead? Wouldn't it have better if circumstances changed? I don't know if I would have done things that way. And we can start to question God a little bit in our minds. You think maybe I have a better plan than God. Is God actually seeing what's going on here? Because I think he would do things differently. Does he see all the suffering I'm going through? Does he see all the pain that's happening in the world? Like, what, Shouldn't he do something different? But God is in control of all things. He has a much better idea than we have of what's going on. We only see a small part of what's happening. And God sees everything. He knows everything. And he's in control of everything. Who are we to teach God? Who are we to question God? Who are we... To talk back to God. He is the one who's big, awesome. He knows everything and he made everything. Sometimes uh, in prayer, we can be affected by a small thinking. And we just we remember, we remember as we're praying, we're praying to an awesome God who made everything. He controls everything, knows everything. And seemingly big things are nothing to him. I can get trapped by small thinking in prayer sometimes. I can think that a prayer request is, is too big. It's, it's too big of a prayer request. I'll stick with the safe and easy prayers that I know God can answer. I'll, like, I'll, I'll pray that, God, can I have a good day today, please? I think God, God can answer that one. Uh, but if you're trapped by safe, easy prayers that you think God can answer, then that, that's wrong. That's wrong. Nothing is too big for God. God can accomplish anything. Is it in his will? I don't know. I shouldn't stop you from praying for it. You can pray for big things. God doesn't need me to lay boundaries in my prayers for things that I think he can handle, think, think that he can answer. And the things that in my life that I think are big are small to God. They're small. He's a big God. If you serve a puny God, maybe when you bring big things, he won't, he won't be able to answer those things. We don't serve a puny God. We serve a big God who's awesome. I don't need to lay boundaries. Nothing is too big for him. We need to act like it sometimes. 
We need to act like he is a big, awesome God. Let's look at in the nations, God's awesomeness in the nations. Verses 15 through 17. Time to tear you down a little bit. God is so big that the nations of this world are seen as a drop from a bucket. You fill up a bucket, you pour it out, get it all out, and you look back in there, oh, there's a little drop. A little drop left. It didn't come out. It's too small to even come out when you dumped it. It was a small, small drop from a bucket. That's pretty small. That's the nations of the world. It's like a small drop in a bucket. Okay? So let's try to, to weigh all the peoples in, in the world. Is that going to be any better? Maybe, maybe we'll show up a little bit better. Just weigh everybody. Nope. Doesn't even register, says. It looks like a little dust on the scales. Yeah. Blow, blow off the scales. It's messing up a little bit. Doesn't even register. So let's, let's turn back to nature, okay? There's a lot of coastland. Maybe if, if we just try to measure the way the coastlands, that'd be fine. Nope, same thing. Fine dust. Blow it off, it's gone. Off, off the scales. It says Lebanon. If you don't know what Lebanon is, it's, it was a large forest area in the, in, in, uh, right near Israel where they would go to to get all their lumber from. This is a big forest. So let's, let's look at a, how's a large forest stack up compared to God. It's not even worth kindling for a fire. It's not even worth it. It's like when I, when I ask like my little son, if I ask Marcus, says, bring me some, some kindling to start a fire. I want to start a fire, do a bonfire tonight. Says, bring me some kindling. He goes around, he brings back what he thinks is big. You know, bring says, two, two stems from, a, from leaves. So, okay, that, that's not even worth burning here, but I'll put it into as a sympathy. Um, but it's not even worth it. It's not even worth burning. A big forest. Okay, how about all the animals in the forest? You see in the Old Testament, God likes burnt offerings. Like, all the animals in this big forest should be enough for a burnt offering. Nope, it's not. It's not enough. When you compare these things to God, it's not enough. He's too big, too awesome. Nothing compares to him. Just in case you got the idea in your mind that you at least compare a little to the greatness of God, I'm at least a piece of dust on the scales, right? I'm at least part of a drop in the bucket. And he goes on and says that the nations are nothing compared to God. Okay, I guess I could be fine with being nothing in comparison to God. That's neutral, right? Nope. The nations are less than nothing, he says. An emptiness. You're a negative. When you compare ourselves to God, we're in the, we're in the negatives. We can't even compare a little bit. That, that's who you and I are when we compa- are compared to the greatness of God. Less than nothing. A sobering. We're, we're nothing in comparison to him. We can get wrapped up in our lives thinking that we are something special. We can think that we are awesome. Or as people say now, I'm him. <laughs> We're not. Or, or we can go the opposite way and just, and just be down on ourselves. Man, I'm so horrible. I'm so bad. I'm just, I can't even do anything good. And that's the opposite direction. That's the same thing. Either way, you're focused on who? Me. I'm focused on myself. Whether in the negative or the positive, we can be wrapped up in ourselves. Maybe you're the guy who's like into sports. 
or the popular girl who has the friends, or the smart kid who aces the tests, or the funny friend who always knows how to make people laugh. But before God, none of that matters. The things we try so hard to be, so hard to attain, get for ourselves, they don't matter in comparison to God. Nothing matters compared to God. God is the only thing that matters. That has to be our perspective. We must behold God. Stop looking at ourselves. We need to behold him. We're not getting into it too much, but a lot of this passage also deals with idols. And it's like, who will you compare me to? An idol? We can't have idols in our lives. Whether that's different things we're trying to worship or ourselves. We can't try to take the spot that God deserves. He is the only one who is worthy of praise. He is the one who is worth occupying your thoughts and time. It is said for every look you give yourself, take ten looks at Christ. How often do you behold Christ? How often do you gaze at his beauty? The wonders he has done, the majesty of his being. We just spend so much time just thinking about me, looking at ourselves. We're not the one who's awesome. We're not the one who's, who's worthy of praise. Why, why do we get so focused on ourselves? What are some wonders that God has done that display his awesomeness? Can you think of some in history? Can you think of some in your own life? It's important to go back in history, go back in your own life, and see Remind yourself, what has God done? Or forgetful people, we need to be reminded how awesome God is. What has he done? Let's just name a few in history. God created heaven and earth with a word out of nothing. Light, bam. Water, bam. Humans, bam. Then we see God providing miraculously for his people time and time again. No food, bam. No baby? Bam! Stuck with a giant army chasing you in the way across the sea? Bam! Out of food again? Bam! Don't like that kind of food? Bam! Because over and over again in the Old Testament, you just see God at work, God doing awesome things. And you skip ahead to uh, the New Testament, you see him sending his son to die for our sins with countless miracles. God has shown time and time again, he is awesome and worthy to be praised. We so quickly forget how good God has been in our lives, like the nation of Israel. They're just wandering around the desert. God already provided them food, and they already forgot how awesome he is. They're complaining, we're going to die. Gives them food. Oh, I don't like that kind of food. It gives them different food. We so quickly forget how good God has been to us, how awesome he has been in our lives. So what about your own life? Have you seen God at work? Can you point to specific things? Say, God is awesome. Look what he has done in my life here and here and there. Do you see him taking care of you? Giving you family, home, food, friends, people to teach you? Have you seen him at work when you are broken and in pain? Have you seen him at work when you're on top of the world and everything seems amazing? Whether you see him at work or not, he is there. 
Always. Even though we are less than nothing in comparison to him, he's at work. He's caring for us. We see in his grace, we go verse 28 through 31. So, so thankful that he doesn't leave us as less than nothing. It can be humbling as you're going through the passage and you're saying, man, I'm nothing. I'm less than nothing compared to him. But he doesn't, he doesn't leave us there in this chapter. He cares for us. He notices us, loves us. The creatures who broke creation and defied the awesome holy God can be redeemed by the blood of his son. It says, he does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint. To those who wait on the Lord, he gives them strength. As a runner, I'm, I'm a runner, I love verse 31. They shall run and not be weary. That's definitely what's playing through my mind when I'm running over and over again. They shall run and not be weary. It's a good verse. Last week, I was on a run praying that God would protect me. I run to work early in the morning on Fridays. And since it's winter time, it's before the sun comes up. It's dark. In the darkness ahead of me, as I start my run, I hear this man screaming obscenities at the top of his lungs. Curses, swear words, all these things. He's screaming at the top of his lungs. And based on the direction of of his voice, I knew he was headed for the same intersection I was going. And I needed to cross the street. So I turned on the jets, hoping to to cross the street before he got there. Of course, I arrived first. Uh, But I heard him coming. He was clearly high on something. I don't know what it was. He was high. Uh, and he was very big. Uh, I stood there, like a good law-abiding citizen, waiting for the crosswalk to allow me to cross. <laughs> I don't want to jaywalk. I was waiting patiently. Uh, the man continued to approach, and his loud, obscene language started being directed at me. So I ignored him. I did not, I'm not making eye contact. I'm not going to engage in that. Just staring at the crosswalk sign, Praying that God would either protect me or just, just turn that sign green. Let me cross. Uh, when the large man was about a yard from me, so closer than, than Luke is to me, is, is that close? I started wondering to wonder if it'd be prudent to come up with a plan B. <laughs> the sign at that moment indicated that it was time to cross. So I bolted safely over to the other side of the road. Much to the dismay of that that large, angry gentleman who rained curses down on me as I ran and told me, You better run! You better run! Uh, Playing in my mind as I'm putting more distance between us, they shall run and not be weary. They shall run and not be weary. This unfathomable, powerful God cares for nobodies like us, especially those of us who need more help and probably should just ignore the rules in certain scenarios. You'll face many difficulties in your life, and some of you guys have gone through so much. Life is hard. Loved ones suffer. They die. They get estranged. Relationships break. Things seem to fall apart. We are left there picking up the pieces. There'll be many things that seem too hard. Circumstances that break you down. But We serve a big, awesome God. He is there to pick us up when we fall down. He is there when you grow faint 
and weary. He is there to give you strength when you have none. He is an awesome God. He holds all things in his hands. He stoops down to our level. He cares for us. He's good to us. Do you guys see it? He is good to us. In trials, he gives us the strength. We don't have to go through them alone. You have God at your side. The same God who was with Abraham when he was alone. The same God who was with Jeremiah when no one would listen to him. The same God who was with the Shunammite woman who helped Elisha when she lost her son. If you don't know the Shunammite woman? Go read about her in the Old Testament. Good story of God caring for, for her. The same God who was with Stephen when he was being stoned. And the same God who was with Isaiah when most likely he was being sawn in two. We have the same God with us. He is with you if you believe in Jesus. We have the awesome, mighty God on our side. Who can stand against us? What trial is too big for us? If you're going through it alone, don't. Don't go through trials alone. In the, in back in towards the beginning of, of this section, in verse 11, he says, attends to his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arm. He is tender towards us. He cares for us in our sufferings and our trials. We need to go to him. Stop relying on yourself. Don't do it in your own strength. If you think that you have the strength yourself, that's, that's wrong. You can't go through anything in life by yourself, let alone hardships. You are not enough. The world tells you you're enough. You're not. You're not enough. You can't look inside yourself to find the strength. You can't crank up that song that tells you how big and strong you are and just power through it. Try powering through life on your own strength. At some point, you're going to realize you, you can't do it on your own. And the stuff that you thought you did on your own, God was, God was there the whole time helping you. You need God for every breath that you even breathe, every step that you take. For every moment of your life, you need God. Go to him. Behold him. Worship our awesome God. Let's pray. God, you are so awesome. You are so big and mighty. And you lend us your strength and we need it. You give us grace. You meet, meet us where we are. Lord, help us not to rely on ourselves. Not to think that you are a puny God. Help us to see you as mighty, as awesome. Help us to rely on you for everything that we do in our lives. and Help us to worship you for who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.